Hello, and welcome back to another episode of After Hours with Amanda, the podcast that talks about parenting because that's something that I do, but is about everything. Um, we have the serotonin we need today. That's a Coke. I already drank my last coffee. Um, I am convinced that there are two people in life. There are the people that fill up their gas tank when they get to like half tank and they're kind of running low. And then there are the people that literally drive into the gas station on fumes. They've hit zero. They're under six miles from where they need to be to get to gas. And then they get gas. That That is me. I am the latter. I am the latter person. Um, I did not grow up that way. My dad is a person that always believes you should have at least three-fourths of a tank. Like at any one point, you cannot be below a half a tank. He wants you to be immediately ready to go if there is something you need to go do. And not having gas in my car like that stresses him out. I I will tell you though, I did not used to be as bad as I am. Being married to Blake, I can tell you 100% has made me worse. 1,000% being married to Blake has made me worse about this habit because we live a mile and a half from the nearest gas station. Ah, It's like two miles actually. So it's like, I can do it, but there has never been a time in my life. I'm going to tell you right now, there has never been a time in my life when I get home and I'm like, oh, I'll get gas in the morning. That getting gas in the morning is not a complete five alarm, fire drill, anxiety, panic attack. I'm going to be late. I'm screaming. I'm like, let's go. We got it. Like it is always a disaster. And in the midst of doing it, I cannot help but be like, why did you do this to yourself? literally reaping the rewards and benefits of my own poor choices. I just, I can't. And when it comes to those two types of people, I feel like that's the energy that you bring, right? Like even with this new, I love it. We're doing outfit of the damn day. (laughs) And you want to know why I did that? If you're not on TikTok and you're only on Instagram, you don't know that I, I previously had done an outfit of the day thing. And I had like misquoted the abbreviation or whatever, the acronym for it. And people came for me in the comments. They were like, outfit of the day day? That's repetitive. And so I was like, you know what? Dang it. We're just going to make it our own thing now. It's outfit of the damn day. That's what we're doing. And that's how that came to be. And now, I've got to be honest with you. I'm just having so much fun because I think that there's this unrealistic expectation that when we see OTDDs or whatever, or OOTDs, or I, I don't honestly outfit of the day. O-O-T-D. Okay. We're going to get it right. Um, I just know that half the time, like if you get up and you're filling yourself and you're posting that, I am here for it. But I just know that like 90% of the time I am rolling out of wherever I have to go. Now, did this apply to me when I worked outside the home? No, it did not. Like I had an outfit, almost a uniform when I worked at Michael Kors that, um, you had that you got like um, basically wardrobed, I guess is what, is what we called it was you got to pick like two pieces as at like a normal sales level, a manager got like four or five outfits and a pair of sh- and you'd get a pair of shoes like every two months or something. And don't, don't get me wrong. I loved, I loved that, but wearing the same five outfits, every single solitary like week to work, um, and varying what you were allowed to wear up was a little bit of a mood killer. But I was ready. Like I was always in heels and a dress or heels and a pants or heels and a bodysuit. Like I always looked like I had somewhere to go, right? So if I was uploading OOTDs, it was like that was it. But I feel like sometimes there's such a pressure if you're sitting there in like your sweats, you know, just lounging, comfy, cozies, whatever. You just feel bad about yourself. And so I think I'll just upload those till kingdom comes. 
um, or my consistency, as we know, takes a dive because it's bringing me joy. With content creation, a lot of times you just feel this weird, undescribable pressure to bring something to the table, to be interesting or to whatever. And it's fun when you find something that actually invigorates you and brings you joy because sometimes it's easy to get lost in the shuffle. Like you start out doing that and then it kind of skews and then you get back to that and then it kind of skews. And it's just bringing me so much joy to do that every day. And it's just something I'm enjoying. And I actually, on a side note, because this will be going up on Friday, it's Thursday afternoon, Um, tomorrow I am the co-chair of our father daughter event at our school. Um, and it's a movie night out. It's going to be cute, but, um, I'll be getting dressed in the morning because I have to be at the school all day for like setup and prep and all these other things. And so my outfit of the damn day might be pretty damn cute tomorrow. I also got a pair of Nike shoes that I just ordered and I had seen her online. She was so pretty. And I was like, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, yes. And I finally ordered them and I'm totally taking them to the mouse house, Disneyland. Kind of have to whisper because Corey's right outside the door watching a movie um, on her little iPad. So I have to talk real quietly because Blake's on a call. So I can see her on her little FaceTime iPad. But anyways, the thing is, is that we are going to talk about things today per usual. Um, (laughs) It's a big introduction to the topic, right? Um, I'm so glad, though, that you guys liked the last episode of the Toxicity of Achievement Culture because it's something near and dear to my heart, and it's something that I always feel like I'm going to have the drumbeat of and always want to be chatting about. Um, And so we're going to dive right in and see where today takes us per usual. But as always, if you enjoy this episode, please feel free to tag someone you think it would encourage. Um, I love our community as it is. For me, it's never about the listenership or the tuning in or whatever. It is always about the fact that this reaches who it needs to. And if you think it's going to be encouraging to someone or if it's just encouraging you, I'm here for it. So grab your laundry, grab your homework, grab whatever you need, and let's uh, um, go ahead and mm -hmm, let's just dive right in. Um, I will be honest, I've had a lot of requests for different episodes when it comes to dating and different things. And I'm going to tell you, I am not the person that you want to get the dating advice from, Uh Thank God, praise Jesus, I ended up in a a marriage that is healthy, um, that is not without its own is- issues, disagreements, different things like that, you know, because we're people too, right? There's no such thing as a non-arguing or debating or just difference of opinion on dessert, right? Like people are people. But I get a lot of requests for dating. And I have a terrible track record. Like I actually, both of the guys I dated seriously, two long-term relationships, they're both dead. And I know that sounds really crazy. One of them died from basically alcohol poisoning from over drinking and the other one actually unalived themselves. Um, so trigger warning on this episode. Um, I'm not going to obviously go into it. I wasn't with either of them in a relationship when it happened, but I'm just going to tell you something about my perspective of those relationships and how I ended up in those relationships and where that brought me to. And I'm going to tell you right now, this is not, I am not the authority on anything. I am not, I don't have a degree in anything of this. This is just life experience. And I love that, that song from Sing 2. If you have not seen Sing 2 or if you have not listened to that soundtrack, that is not a child movie. I'm telling you right now, that will change your life as an adult. There are so many important moments and realizations that happen in that movie. I can't even begin to 
pretend that it's only for children. Absolutely not. Go out, go watch it immediately. It will set your heart on fire. Um, there's this one song though, could have been me. And there's a line in it where she goes, I don't want to be another untold story. And so I'm going to share this story with you. And the reason that I'm going to share it is I hope it might be bring some clarity to you. This is not advice I'm giving you. I am not telling you how to be in a relationship. I am not telling you that this will help hinder or support or whatever. I'm just going to share. Obviously, we're not going to, I'm going to try and avoid any type of names. Um, if I do actually say a name, it won't actually be the literal person's in order to respect their privacy um, or, well, their families. Anyways, so I started dating. There was, oh, man, gosh, the backstory in this is so messy. Um, I was never a person that really ever felt wanted. If we're going to be completely honest and, like, dive right in, I always needed somebody's approval. Now, I could say that that came from the chaos in the house of having a brother who was usually kind of like, they always say the squeaky wheel gets their grease. And I don't like calling Adam the squeaky wheel, but Adam was more of a disruptor with stuff. He was the one that was going to go out or quote unquote rebel. And I was just like too consumed with what was going on with him to even have the energy to do that. Right. So I was over here doing what I needed to showing up to class, being a good student, being the appropriate kid, doing all the things to check all the boxes that make you look good as a person in the eyes of your teachers and your parents, right? Check all those boxes. Don't tell them what's going on. And what this led me to was this deep, 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 deep desire to have someone pay attention to me. And I'm not blaming my parents for this. I'm not blaming my mom or my dad. I realize the all-consuming issue of having a child who is navigating addiction, who is in drug use. I mean, the overwhelming feeling of a parent to me would have been like drowning, literally. And so they were very consumed with him. And so I was a very, huh, I was ripe for the picking when it came to dating a narcissist. Like I was so primed and ready. I needed someone's attention. I wanted someone's approval. I wasn't going to argue with you. I just wanted to feel loved. And I, that saying is so trite. I don't like saying it like that because it, to me, it simplifies it. It wasn't that I wanted to feel, I needed someone to pay attention to me and I didn't know it. I didn't know it because I was 15 years old. And so I will tell you, I'm be completely honest. I've done this twice in my life. I full on all facts, no printer, moved high schools. I said it was to be with my brother because we'd always been at the same schools, which it was on a level for security. But it was also because the guy that I thought was cute was at the school my brother was at. And the school I was at was an all-girls school. I was drowning academically because I had moved schools a couple times. And I've never been like the best scholar. I had to work my ass off for grades. I had to study so hard. Things did not come easy with math and science. And when it, you're in a system that's constantly telling you you're not good enough because you don't fit that structured test taking aspect. It's just not beneficial. So I wanted out of that environment because it was already depleting my confidence. I wasn't making friends. Um, it was an all girls school. These girls had been together for forever and I'm not blaming them. It's just the environment you're raised with friends from K through eighth. You're going to be those friends. And I was the girl that showed up with like some mascara and makeup on. And it was always like, why are you wearing makeup? Why are you doing this? Ew. Who are you trying to prove? Who are you trying to impress? And it's like, Nobody. I'm so painfully insecure. I can't show up to school like that. So it's actually not about you. It's actually about me and my insecurity and living with it. And I didn't realize that at the point, you know, <clears throat> so I moved high schools and I went to this high school and the guy was at the high school and I literally was whatever he 
was like, oh my gosh, that girl's wearing a cute top. Let me, let me be quickly and find that top. I'm gonna find a top that's similar to that, right? Like, and he played one of the sports. He was incredibly good. It was a small school, okay? So Big Fish Little Pond makes for like a wonderful environment for what I now know was a narcissist. And I got into this relationship with someone who had boundary issues with their own family, frankly. Um, and people could say, well, that's not your, well, that person's not a narcissist. Right. And it's like, okay, well, if you're not in the relationship with them, you actually don't know what that's like to, to be on the flip side of that. If, 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 if you're not experiencing it, um, there are clear signs for that type of behavior. Um, and the favorite activity of my high school boyfriend was gaslighting. Um, the amount of times he cheated on me, I couldn't actually tell you. But what it does when you're in a relationship and you're like, hey, do you like, how could you think that? How do why you want, do you want me to cheat on you? Is that what you want? You think I'm going to cheat on you? Because you know what? I should be worried about you. You're the one who's X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. And so I dated him for, um, God, three, almost three years, almost three years, uh, sophomore, um, kind of into college almost into college, broke up, got back together. But I have this very distinct memory, this very distinct memory of promise rings were big for millennial kids. I don't know if it's still a thing, but when I was in high school, a promise ring from the boyfriend was like the bees, knees, it's what you wanted as a gift, right? And there are two incidents I'm going to talk about gift giving here. The first one is the promise ring one. And he had, we'd been dating about two years And at the time he was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get you this, this, this. I got you this for, he had bought me like this kind of, I would call like a, he called it a placeholder. And it was just a silver band with like a tiny, tiny speck of a little diamond. It didn't matter to me. I felt so special. Um, And he had told me it was real. So the first part to the story is me finding out the little ring he had given me was actually not real. Um, And one of his friends making fun of me for it. Um, One of his friends who played on the team. So Fast forward, I go to him, I confront him and he calls me selfish and he tells me how unfair I am, how materialistic I am. And all I was really asking was about was the, was the lie, because to give background on why I'm telling these relationship stories, when you are in a chaotic environment growing up, whether it's a sibling or a parent, you know, my mom had had a breakdown. God love her. She was trying to survive, but she was unpredictable with her moods, not in a mean way, just in an emotional way. Then tack on my dad, who God love him, was trying to provide for us, but he was a total workaholic um, because he felt like that was his job and he was in his own identity issue. And then you bring in my brother who has addiction and issues and he's disrupting the environment. So you're constantly living in this chaos of, I don't want to call it drama, but basically like drama. So that feels normal. That's your starting gauge. And you don't think about that, right? Growing up, you don't think like, oh, I'm growing up in this environment and it's super chaotic and, oh my gosh, my computer's going to die. Hold on, you guys, I'm going to continue this. Okay, I found my charger before it died. But what you don't realize is that your baseline is chaos, right? Your baseline of life, if you're experiencing this every day and every second of any conversation, it's volatile. So when that's happening in a relationship, what I didn't realize at the time is that feels normal. That feels so normal. That feels like, oh yeah, this is what happens in relationships. And even at the time, you don't realize it's unhealthy, right? So to the ring thing, I go to him, I confront him, I say this to him. He calls me materialistic, all these things. I end up crying, apologizing. I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you know what? It's fine. I had had a present planned for you anyways. 
I mean, I'll still give it to you because I love you, but oh my God, nauseating. So tells me he's bought me this gift. He tells me what jewelry store in the mall he went to. He tells me that he's going to pick it up and a month goes by and two months go by. And it's coming up on like, like a good three month mark. And I start to be confused by this, right? I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to be, but I certainly don't want to bring it up. God forbid I bring it up, right? Because I don't want to seem materialistic. So we go to the next, like, I don't know, event. And one of his friends starts joking about it, the same one who told me about it. And so I decide, and he's like, I've been so busy. I haven't had time to go pick it up. So I decide, like, thinking that this is going to be positive, I call my mom. I'm like, hey, after school, you know, we had, I had cheer that night. And so we usually, my school was not close to where I lived. So we'd grab dinner out where school was. And so I was like, hey, um, before we go to dinner, can we pop by the mall real quick? I just want to check on this. You know, so-and-so has been super stressed and, you know, he's got this and this and this. And so I just, I, I, I want to go check. And she was like, yeah, absolutely. So I walk into the jewelry store. I'm like, hi, I'm just wanting to check in on an order. And they're like, uh, sure. And I, I give the name and they're like, okay. And they come back. They're like, I don't think that we have an order under that. And I was like, no, 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 no. I was, I look at the text message. Um, I'm like, no, on my Nokia phone, by the way, my nice big Nokia. I'm like, no, no, no. They said that it, it's here in this. Is there a manager I can ask? Not being a Karen y'all. So relax. But I was just like, maybe you weren't here or maybe there's a book. And she's like, actually, you know what? Yeah, we do have some older order books. Let me grab our manager. So the manager comes over. He's like, there's no order for that person. We don't have any record of it. So I, at this point, am like, okay, they have lost his order. This is not great. Like, oh my gosh. So I give him a call. I'm like, hey, I went to the jewelry store. And he's like, you went to the jewelry store? And I immediately was like, yeah, I, I wanted to help. You know, I, you know, I just spend the next five to 10 minutes on the phone berating me for going to the jewelry store. Do I not trust him? Just all the things you can imagine. Do I not trust him? Do I think he's a liar? Why am I so focused on this? Why can't I just blah, 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 blah. So I'm at this point in tears and my mom comes over. She's like, what's wrong? I'm like, nothing. I totally. And what do I do? What do I do here? Am I honest with my mom? Am I, am I honest with her? Which I, I should no. Mm -mm. I lie. I say that I did something. I make up something like, oh, I said this and this. And my mom's like, oh, that doesn't seem like, you know, a mom knows. They know they're lying. They know you're lying, right? But my mom played it off. She, okay, yeah, well, you know what? Let's go grab dinner. So I'm sitting in this like casual restaurant. Think of like Mimi's or Red Robin's because I'm not going to say which one we were at. But like that vibe. And he calls me and he's like, hey, I'm outside because I had like, he had, no, he had texted, where are you kind of thing. And so, and he walks in with his dad. Um, and I would just like to say that there were issues there as well. So this um, type of attitude seems like it would be correct from both of them when you look at the dad to the son. And he walks in and he kind of like tosses, not throws, but like rolls on the table. And he's like, there's your ring. There's your ring. And I was like, I, and he's like, yeah, there you go. I got it for you. You know, I had to do this and this for the money. And his dad's like, you know, Amanda, it's just really, re and my mom's like, whoa, excuse me. Hi, sir. No, do not pass go. You can leave. She's like, you both can leave right now. You can leave. And he's like, there you go. And he leaves it there. And I, I pull it out. It's the little ring that he had mentioned. It was bought from the store that day. Okay. Um, you would think at this point I would dump someone like that, right? Like my mom would be like, Amanda, no, but here's the thing. 
I would love to say that my mom told me, don't date that person. And I was like, you're right. This is toxic. Let's not do this. Uh, But I didn't. I kept dating that person. I made every excuse for them humanly possible. Um, And my mom, because my mom loved people, she felt she had trouble too, because she would be like, well, they're from this environment and their example isn't that great. And I don't, you know, maybe if we spend time with them, maybe if we, but a young, I don't even think my mom honestly understood what a narcissist was. Um, Because if I'm being totally honest, I think there were some parts of herself where you couldn't have a situation where she wasn't talking about how it was impacting her. And it wasn't trying to be mean. It was that she, again, had had that experience her whole life, right? So I dated that person for, you know, two and a half, three years. And I dealt with that behavior for that entire time. What happens when you're in that type of environment as a young girl, right? You, that becomes your status quo, right? Um, And if you're at that baseline, it seems normal. You figure everyone else is doing it. And if you're watching a bunch of other different high school relationships where people might just be like immature and stuff, not saying all high school relationships are because we have friends again who went to high school, dated, got married and have been married ever since, have a great relationship and kids. What I'm talking about is how your trauma and your experience of that growing up plays into the people you pick. And you don't even realize you're predisposed to do that. You're predisposed to feel comfortable with it. You're predisposed to have that the status quo. You're predisposed to that baseline. And the same thing is in parenting. And again, I'm not an expert on dating. I'm not here to tell you how to date. I'm not saying that all people who experience trauma date negatively, but I am telling you that the person right after that, that I literally, like basically Blake called it my Tarzan swing, like grabbed a vine and I didn't let go till I could grab the other one, right? So I I swung from that. Then I, boom, I had an in-betweener between the two relationships, my two serious ones. I had a guy. Um, and I'm going to be honest about this. I'm going to be totally honest about this. Okay. I have never publicly admitted this, but I'm going to admit it. I was supposed to go to Azusa Pacific the first year of college, but between me feeling guilty for leaving my mom, because I felt a huge responsibility for her because my life with her, just, she was very codependent on me because of the relationship that I had with her and a bo- a different boy, not the two serious relationships in between her. I chose to say at Sac State. Now, I believe everything happens for a reason. I think it was the best thing that ever happened because I learned a lot. I became a lot of who I was. And even though I literally got into another toxic relationship, it led me to my journey of where I am with my my family, my husband, sweet Jesus, okay? It led me all there. It's not to say that it wasn't an incredibly excruciating and painful process, but I chose to say it's Sac State. And I will say 50% of that reason was because there was a guy I was casually dating And I never casually dated. I was not a serial dater. If I was dating you, we were in a relationship. I could not casually date. I never did it. I wish, I wish I could have just been like, let's go on a date. Oh, that was fun. Hey, let's hang out. Oh, that was fun. Do I secretly wish that for my girls? I do pray that they have a lot of really good friends that they hang out with. I don't know how it's going to be for them though. I know London's probably going to be like me and be a relationship girl. You know, they always say, like I talk about the gas, there's two types of people. And when it came to dating, I was not the one who dated often. I was the one who dated one person at a time for a very long time. You might be thinking like, why are we giving a history of your dating on this episode? And here's why. Because I think sometimes when we hear other people's stories, it it lights a bulb. Sometimes that light wasn't on before. Sometimes it was dim. Sometimes we were questioning our own experience. And then we hear something, we're like, hold up, wait a minute. That's exactly what's happening here. 
And that's not to say that my experience is yours. Or if you've gotten into a disagreement where someone has felt like you're gaslighting you, that all those people are a narcissist, right? I could even on occasion have been accused of gaslighting my own kids when they're like, this hurts. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. That doesn't hurt. You know, like it's just a scratch. Hold up. Remember our scale, our sliding scale of emotion. Let's hope with that sliding scale. That and teaching how to deal with different situations is different than invalidating somebody. There is a difference there, okay? But the point is, is that I was restructuring my entire life to feel appreciated, valued, and seen by somebody. I was looking absolutely everywhere for it. And I'll be honest, I was a quote unquote Christian at the time, but my experience had been so stained with people who did not represent Christ and me holding Christ accountable to their poor example that I was just not in it. I was just not looking for him. He had not given me anything. And I was seeing Jesus through the scope of other people's lenses who were not him. They're not him. I'm, I, I am not even the best representation of the big guy upstairs. Okay. I'm not, I hope I'm a representation of his love, but I'm going to disappoint people. And if people hold Jesus accountable to who I am or what I do all the time, they're going to be disappointed in Jesus because I'm a human being and I'm fallible and I am not perfect. And I never will be. And God knows I wouldn't want to be who wants to live to that standard. But the point is, is I gave up a half scholarship for some guy who three weeks later ghosted me, which was not even a term at the time, okay? Ghosted me. And then two months later, quit talking to me altogether when we got together and hung out and he wanted me to sleep with him. And I said, no. Why did I say no? Well, so many reasons, okay? So many reasons. But the amount of like pressure and fake wooing that went on with that just to simply sleep with someone made me so happy in that decision. And that was at one point I I stood up for myself for the first time here. It quickly faded because you can feel powerful when you've been scorned, but when you're in a relationship and you feel like someone has loved you and you don't want that to go away, you're less likely to stand up for yourself, for me personally. So I drove over to that fool's house. I knocked on his door. Hi. So a couple things. If you're going to be rude and not want to, you know, hang out with me just because I don't sleep with you. How about you say that? How about you say that? How about you start there? Start there. Be honest with yourself and be honest with me. Okay. Thank you so much. Goodbye. I just, I mean, he stood there. I've never seen someone's jaw, just a fly, like flies could have flown into his mouth. He was just standing there as I told him off. And I've never been prouder of myself or 19-year-old Amanda for being like, you know what, fool? Forget you. Uh. Now, this quickly faded because what happened was I got a job <laughs> at a retail store, Abercrombie & Fitch, back when they recruited quote-unquote models. Ooh. Anyways, so they... um. <laughs> They were recruiting, quote, they called them models or whatever, but you're just people that worked in the front, right? And this was back when Abercrombie was very problematic. I'm sure they still have problematic things. They are not near as problematic as they used to be, okay? Um, I worked there on and off. I was a manager there, so many things. Uh, but I love their clothes now. Wear them all the time. I love it. They finally have the color black. Living my best life over here. But anyways, so I get into this. I Here's what happened. There's this guy working there. And I felt like someone was paying attention to me. The guys there were, you know, flirting with me. And for the first time, I was having fun, right? I was experiencing what it's like for like to be there and have like a bunch of different fun, flirty conversations. I'm not saying I was like the girl. No one was out here like 
buying me things, offering, like getting my number and stuff. But at work, it was very playful and I was enjoying myself. I felt cool. And coming from a high school experience that was honestly crap, I did not feel cool. So this was really building my ego. Okay. Um, and I just was, you know, kind of living my best life. And then this one guy came into the picture. And can I tell you what did it for me? Can I tell you how this all started dating him? I'm going to break it down for you how easily I remember the exact moment. We had done this really fun skate night out and we had done a 70s theme. And of course, I was wearing a crop top and some bell bottoms to skate in completely in a like unfunctional, not inappropriate, unfunctional for skating for the most part, because I was literally on my butt half the time. But I felt so cute. I felt so cute. I was in my prime, right? 1920, had just quit doing pageants. So I was like in shape, feeling good, right? And we all decided we would go out after. And I was with one of my girlfriends who I'd met at the store. And at this point, I had not had a drop of alcohol in my entire life. Not once. I never snuck out to a high school party. I was too afraid. I hadn't been to a party. I didn't join a sorority. Uh, This is like a couple months into my like first semester, almost second semester of college. And we're sitting, we go to, we go to Denny's after, right? And we're sitting there and I sit next to him because he was like this big, honestly, he was so special to me in the way that he was just this big six, four teddy bear. And I just saw him as fun and playful. And I was just so enamored with how silly and fun he was very different, um, from the previous experience. Right. So we're sitting at Denny's. I remember this like it was yesterday, you guys. And the waiter walks up. She's like, can I get your order? And she's taking the order down the line and she gets to him and he's on my right side. I'm on the left and it gets to him and he goes, oh no, ladies first, go ahead, Amanda. You could have knocked me out of my chair. That was what did it, y'all. That's what did it. He let me order first. I want you to realize the standard baseline of expectations I had. If that was what sent me, if that was what told me, oh my gosh. Now, in certain situations, yes, this is something you should look for. Yes, this should be a green flag, okay? But for where my expectations was, this was a field goal. It wasn't a small little green flag that said, oh, I should look in. This is great. This is a good sign, right? Let's investigate. No, I was not looking for red red flags after that point. Then take it a step further. He paid for my meal. Paid for my meal. Let me order first and paid for my meal. You know, it makes me emotional because I think of little 19-year-old Amanda and I want to hug her. And it's so funny to me because honestly, as a content creator on TikTok, the reason that I got on TikTok was because I love high school and college age kids. I think that they need so much love and support. I think all humans do. But if I was really honest, I got to tell you, I think that they just need hugs. I really do. And if I could have found 19-year-old Amanda and I could have hugged her, oh, I would have. I would have said, girlfriend, let me tell you something. I come from the future. I come in peace. Don't be mad at me because I know I'm going to try and tell you something and you're going to get pissed because you're going to say, no, this person is giving me attention. This person sees me. This person appreciates me. Absolutely not. They love me. Okay. I did not even know how to love myself at that point. I will be honest with you. I was a virgin when I was 19. I had not taken a drip of alcohol. I had not, nothing, nothing. 
And I mean, trigger warning for this episode, I'm pre-warning you again, trigger warning. We're talking about narcissists. We're talking about uncomfortable things. And I'm not going to go into too much detail because frankly, those are for private conversations. Um, I don't know how I feel about being completely laid bare vulnerably, but I'm going to just touch on some topics. So this sent me. The next day we show up to work and I'm again enamored and he shows up that day to campus. He was not in school at the time. I don't think that that speaks to anything. I'm just saying like he wasn't in college. He wasn't going to my college. He wasn't going to the local college. He was just, you know, graduated a year ahead of me. So he would, no, two years ahead of me. I want to say he was two years older than I was. No, like you're, anyways, it doesn't matter. Comes to campus one day and in the middle of the camp, I still know literally squat about this human being. Okay. Like I know name, I know where they're from. I know kind of like vibes about them, but not a whole lot of background. Right. So, um, shows up to campus with a single rose and I'm talking about on Sac State campus. If you've ever been there, there's this part towards the back of campus where you get kind of to where they call the hive, but there's this bridge that you can walk across that bridges the campus to like this, um, like apartment building kind of residential area. Right. And there's, it's a bridge. So if you've been to Sac State, you know what I'm talking about. He walks across that bridge, comes into that middle, almost like quad view thing. And he knew I loved The Bachelor. This was early years of The Bachelor, so don't judge me. It was back when it was still new, right? Tristan and Ryan forever. I still remember that poem that was written. Anyways, gets down on one knee in the middle of the quad and says, will you accept this rose at the top of his lungs? And I just was like mortified because I don't love public attention. But at the same time, I was so like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, look what he's doing for me. Look what he's doing for me, okay? Don't even worry about all the other things. This is it. So him and I start dating. He takes me to my first party. Um, I start, like, I, I spent multiple nights at his house with his dad. He lived with his dad. His parents were um, divorced. Um, and he had his mom and his dad. And so he lived with his dad, who lived, like, right over by Sac State. Um, literally, like, not even a mile from the school. So I would walk there over after school. And I want to say, like, ooh, this would be a red flag for me as a parent. But my parents... We're so preoccupied with Adam at this time. It was like, well, Amanda seems like she's functionally existing. She's got a boyfriend. Maybe we don't want her necessarily spending the night and we're going to tell her we're not totally happy about it, but we're not going to put too much emphasis on it because we've got Adam out here and we've got to find him and he's missing again and he's gone off the, you know, like whatever again. And there was a lot of like stuff there. So again, I want to explain the baseline of expectation. So we dated and um, there was a lot of uh, mental health issues that he had, so many. While we were, and again, I'm going to say this one more time, trigger warning. While we were dating, he tried to unalive himself twice when we broke up. Um, I, I don't think I've ever said this out loud. I lost my virginity. Um, it was... Uh, mutual at the time. And I don't know what that did for me, but it put me in a weird headspace because I had always, and I don't view it as the same as I did then as I do now. I don't think that uh, your virginity holds your entire morality as a person. I look at it as there's such an emotional connection that happens that you want to be sure that the person you're spending that time with, for me personally, has your best interest at heart. Because it really clouds your judgment when you're so physically intertwined with someone. For me, 
I'm not judging anybody else out there. Baby, you're going to make your own decisions. That is not what I'm saying here. What I am saying though, is it clouded my judgment, but it made me feel so loved. So the mental health issues, the clear alcoholism issues, um, felt normal because it gave me someone to take care of. It gave me someone to feel responsible for. That level of drama in the relationship made me feel as though that's the relationship. That's good. If you're not, if you're not doing like some type of fighting or some type of, you know, whatever, you, you got to keep, that's what keeps the relationship alive, right? Oh, those hot emotions, right? That creates the passion. And you might be again thinking as we tell this episode, Amanda, why are you telling the story? Because if this story helps one person see something or recognize something, I want them to do it. Because you know what happened every time I got out of that relationship? I felt very naked and alone. I felt very afraid. I felt like they had that I had given something, right? Um, I was going out. I was partying. I was drinking so much. The amount of times I honestly blacked out, I cannot tell you. Um, I just remember one night when I had blacked out so bad, I woke up in a bathroom and his best friend was carrying me to the car because I was so far gone. But no one was checking on me. I do remember one of his friends who is a doll who was just the sweetest human being. And at one point she's like, girl, you, you got to, no one's going to watch that for you. You got to watch yourself, girl. And the amount of things that went on in that relationship in terms of um, physical, I'll put it nicely, like uh, not even nicely, I don't know how you put it nicely, but just uh, physical boundary crossing that went that happened over the course of two and a half years together was something that only really recently I began to heal from. It was something that you don't realize because feeling naked alone was so afraid. There was so much chaos at my house. Going to his house was an escape, but it was almost like reinflicting trauma on myself, but in a different way, in a different environment from a different person. You know, it's like, well, at least it's not this. I can get away from it here. This is a safe place. I might have to, you know, go to a party or, you know, in, in, engage in activities that I'm just not wanting to. But you know what? At least it's not as bad. And the thing is, is that I was so afraid to be what felt like alone. Even though I knew how much my parents loved me, I felt like they were so preoccupied. And I was so afraid to be alone. Because I was so sad about so many things. And it felt like when someone would hug me or that person would hold me, even if just for a couple minutes, it filled up what felt like a hole. But what I didn't realize was that hole was just not going to get filled. They couldn't fill that hole. It wasn't something someone could fill. It was something I had to do. It was work I had to do work on myself in realizing that a toxic relationship, even if it creates less loneliness, is, is not the solution. And I will tell you that mm, I lost my train of thought. Corey came in. But basically, the, the, the problem with when you've experienced different things, whether it's early childhood, mid-childhood, or whenever you have the trauma – is that you start to feel that chaos as a sense of, again, baseline. So fast forward, I get to this place that it's so bad 
that I almost feel like I need an escape route. And it was at the time, a girlfriend of mine who was, okay, we're going to go into it, who was um, <laughs> going to the Playboy Mansion. <laughs> um, she is the sweetest human. I love her so much. She actually went on to be a penthouse pet. But at the time, we're young. And she tells me about this guy and he can get us in. And um, she knew someone who could get us fake IDs because you had to be old enough to get in. You had to be 21 to go to this party. So I get approved to go. And at the last minute, I decide, I don't know. I'm nervous. I, I was nervous about the fake ID. I was so afraid someone was going to find me out. And my mom goes, you know, instead of doing that, that's such a hassle. She didn't know about the fake ID, by the way. She thought it was just like 18 and up, right? She's like, instead of going to LA, why don't you just go visit Blake? And I was like, what? She's like, Disneyland. Y'all, she pulled the, the, the mouse card. Okay, and this is, I'm going to cry. This is why Disneyland is such a special place for me because it's always been literally the happiest place on earth. Um, and one day we're going to work with Disney Park Shell. Okay, let me, hold on. I need some Coke. Hold on. I'm going to get some serotonin. Let's reel it in. Okay. So she tells me she'll go and she'll pay. She'll buy me a ticket. So I go, I call up Blake. I'm like, yo, can I come visit? And he's like, mm, sure. Like why? And I'm like, well, my mom said I could go to Disneyland, but I'm kind of going, I thought it was, I'm kind of going to this party at the Playboy Mansion. And Blake was like, what? Really? He's like, I did not, and don't get it wrong, don't get it twisted. Like he was like, whoa, really? Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, but that's that does not seem your style. And I was like, you don't even know my style. You don't even know the life I live, you square. You don't know what's going on, right? So I'm gonna not give you the whole breakdown of how that went down, but basically I didn't end up going to the Playboy Mansion. I ended up going to Disneyland. I ended up hanging, hanging with Blake and all his friends. And it was the first time in my whole life that weekend that I experienced Christianity, not in this judgmental, cruel, point out what everybody else is doing. Look, 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 point finger, point finger, but in this very fun, loving, welcome, come one, come all, let me hug you environment. And it changed my life. But my point with this is eventually Blake and I started dating. And the one of the bigger problems we had in our relationship was I would pick a fight, create an issue, and do stuff to literally stir up trouble, drama. Because I felt like if that wasn't happening in the relationship, it was just flatlined. It was never going to make it. We would never survive. There was no quote unquote passion. But what I eventually learned was that my baseline was skewed and the argument, argument, arguing meant that we actually had things to work on, not that we were just these super passionate and in love people. Now, there are people who argue passionately. That again is different. I have a friend, she is Italian. Do not, the hands are going to be all up in your, I love it. I live for it. The passion with which they disagree, okay? But the thing is, is that when I think of dating and when I think of people talking to me about dating, I always want to tell them, what is your baseline of expectations here? What environment are you experiencing? What expectations are you seeking? And how are you seeing that that's helping you pick people? Because you wonder why you pick the same people. Oh my gosh. My wonderful human beings, examine what in your life is literally 
predisposing you to do that. The amount of stuff that has come out in therapy about this for me, the amount of healing that I have worked on doing with this is insane because I had no idea that even in my marriage, although it's like 90% less, there will still be times when I'm like, the other shoe will drop. There is a negative situation that will eventually come up. Let me create this issue so then we can avoid the issue. And then I get that all the way. Blake always says, yeah, I used, he used to really get annoyed going on vacation with me. Because up until a couple of years ago, every time we would get ready to go on a trip, go out of town, do an event, go to a, a friend's birthday, anything, I would literally pick a fight, like not even consciously, it just would happen. And we'd be arguing. And then Blake would look at me and he'd be like, why is this happening? What is going on? I don't want to fight with you. And I would like, no, no, it's fine now. Like we had a fight. Let's check that off the list. It's not going to happen tonight. Now I got it all the way. And he's like, what are you even talking about? You got it all the way. And I'm like, the other shoe will always drop full. Trust me. Like, it's just going to happen. That's the way life works. And I still, and I've talked about this in the podcast before. I still have to fight the urge to think that when things are really, really good, just wait, hold your breath, girl, right around the corner, it's going to drop. But the truth is, is that living like that is something that I have to mentally train myself not to do. It's something I have to consciously seek out not doing. And that's because I got myself involved in relationships and I'll break it down. The narcissist constantly blaming me for things. It gave me something to feel like I was fighting for at the time. And again, I'm explaining myself. I'm not explaining everybody's experience with a narcissist. I'm talking about mine. So before someone's like, that's not why people do it. I'm not saying that's why people do it, baby. I'm saying what I was doing that my therapist and I have talked about. Why did I, it, it was almost as if when there was the issue and why I kept dating him was it made me feel like somebody cared. Look how much he cares. He's so angry at me. That anger is a sign of care. Uh, no, that's just anger. Look at me. He's so mad at me for trying to do so much. He doesn't want me to do so much. He cares about me. He wants him to be doing the most. No, baby. That was not it. Look at this attention I'm getting it's not negative. He cares so much. He's paying that much attention to me. It makes him angry how much he cares. And then, you know, I Tarzan swung, as Blake would call it, to the other long-term relationship that was almost two and a half, three years. And I was so enamored with being treated at, like a human on any level that I was like, oh, he has an addiction issue. I know how to deal with this. I am literally primed to be the person that takes care of this person. This gives me purpose. I needed purpose and here I have. That's filling the hole. It's actually not. It's actually not. Um, I need to make sure that I do everything to keep this relationship happy. What is he like? What does he want me to do? How did, and that, there's a very big difference here. Now, let me let me break down the difference here. There is the difference of, I know that Blake loves a bodysuit versus a t-shirt. So on date night, I might surprise him with a cute bodysuit. Like, what's up? What's up? He's going to love me no matter how I show up. Okay. But I'm going to, I'm going to take it up a notch. There is a difference between that and completely trying to chameleon yourself for somebody else. Completely only thinking of why are they looking at that other girl? Let me make myself look like them. Oh, they want to cheat on their ex-girlfriend with me. I'll just become their ex-girlfriend and then they won't need to do that. Honey, that literally happened, by the way. 
That literally happened. And everybody knew it. Can I tell you the demoralizing feeling that happens when you find out you've been walking into a room for months with a person that you thought you were on the arm of when their ex was there and you felt so proud of yourself that they chose you and literally they were cheating with that person and everyone in the room knew but you? See, because I think a lot of times we get in these negative relationships and we get in these cycles and we think that's what we meant for and we think that's what we're good enough for and we think that's all we deserve. And we don't realize that by cutting that out and stopping ourselves, you deserve more. You deserve more than telling, than letting someone be like, oh, you can order first. You deserve more than someone paying for your chicken strips and then you feeling like you owe them. Every step of the way. Because it falls off in little pieces. I started dating him. Originally, he let me order first. Originally, he paid for the meal. And I'm not saying, so don't get hung up on this like, a man should pay for the meal sexist thing. Baby, that's not what I'm saying. I am saying that there was a decline in how he treated me. And as that declined, I continued to modify my expectations to less and less and less and less to where I was expecting nothing and just quote unquote being grateful for showing up. See, the thing about dating is it's tricky when you're unsure about your baseline and when you're unsure about how you feel about yourself. And I'm not saying that you're going to love yourself because there are days I don't like myself very much, but I would pick me. It's not a perfect situation. And even Blake would say that I have days where I'm not very good to myself, but I love me and I know that I don't deserve to live in a toxic trauma environment. Now, when you're younger and you're surrounded by that, that may not be an option. You might not be able to be like, I choose not to be here, uh, done. But as you grow up, you can 100,000% draw those boundaries to freaking keep that out. You can change your expectations. And I'm not saying be like, this is the end all be all that you can't be in a relationship with someone who has flaws. You have flaws. You're not perfect. I know that. I hold a mirror up to myself every day. In fact, I'm sitting at my closet staring at one and I'm looking at me and I'm thinking, who are you to judge? But I'm not judging. I would never, ever deign to think that I had so much of whatever someone thinks it is to stand in judgment of other people. But I can tell you from my experience what that looks like. I can tell you that there's a difference between when you're dating, right? And you're doing all the most, right? And then when you're married and you're comfortable someone, which I love, versus being in a relationship where you're being treated a certain way and then that is a very steep decline where it's not a comfort level. It's not that you're relaxed. It's not that you don't need to tell your significant other or spouse, hey, actually, you know what? I need, will you open the door for me? I'm feeling like that, right? Like that communication is different. Like I don't hold like to a standard in my head that I'm not gonna be like, yo, fool, can you open the door? It's day nine, make me feel special. Hey, you know what? Boom, like let's do that. Like there is a vast difference. So when people kept asking for a dating episode or dating advice, I didn't really know what to do. But I do know that don't let one green flag be the field goal touchdown for the entire experience. And as painful as it is, and as scary as it is, and as sad as it is, do not play the highlight reel of a relationship in your mind 
to convince yourself that it's just good enough. Whenever I broke up with those guys, I always regretted it mm, a day later, two days later, because I was sad. I felt alone. And I would play the highlight reel of all the things they did. Well, it wasn't that bad. If you are using the sentence, well, it wasn't that bad, and you're not just talking about like a bad piece of sushi, but even that can give you diarrhea. Okay, let's be honest. You need to evaluate what is the healthy baseline and what is the unhealthy baseline and which one are you working from? Don't go around holding people to standards that not even you're meeting, obviously. Like, again, nobody is perfect. But don't subject yourself to an environment that you think you're just good enough for. Okay, baby, because you are better than that. You are better than just good enough. When you're in a relationship and you are feeling less than about yourself, and it's not your internal voice beating you up, it is something that you're experiencing, evaluate it. Don't be so quick to get mad at your friends if they have known you long enough and you know it's coming from a good place. Because there is a vast difference between a friend trying to speak to you and you wanting to block it out because you don't want to hear it and a friend being toxic for you and being unhelpful. You will know the difference from the friend that's speaking to you. If you have gone to that friend for life advice and you trust them, do not close them out because I did that. And in all of these relationships, I closed out every voice but one, theirs. I hope that this brought any clarity. And y'all, I don't know if it did. To be honest with you, at this point, I'm kind of scared and think I should scrap the whole episode, but I'm not going to because I feel like sometimes when we feel like it's junk and when we feel like it's not good enough, it's what someone might need. I get emotional telling these stories because I feel sadness for that innocence or that innocent part of Amanda that was in so much need to feel seen that she let people completely, completely misuse and mistreat. I would hug every single one of you. I don't know why, but I feel like I need to say this. If you are in a relationship that is in any way abusive, please reach out to someone. There are so many hotlines you can call, honey. There are so many people that you can reach out to. Do not do that alone. Don't. And if you need a friend to tell you to do it, do it. Trust me. Um, I love you. You are worthy. You have exponential and limitless potential. There is nothing you can't do. And if you need to, there is nothing you can't do alone for a while. But you don't have to because, like I said, there is support if you need it. You are seen. You are valued. And if someone in your life has told you different, do not listen. They do not know what they are talking about. God does not make mistakes. He doesn't even make happy accidents. Everything is by choice for him, and I am grateful for that. Again, I love you. I hope that this episode helped at all. If you think it can help someone, please feel free to share. I know this is not our usual content, but y'all have been asking for this. I got some pretty passionate DMs being like, please tell us about your dating life. Lord knows why, but there she is. I hope you have a wonderful Friday. It is Friday. There is nothing that can be bad on a Friday. Even if it is bad, it's the weekend. So I will say it once again. I love you.
and you are seen. Have the best day. I cannot wait. I am probably going to try and film or record, excuse me, our next episode early because I do not want to miss it, even though we will be at the happiest place on earth, my home planet. Until then, I'll talk to you later.